Hello, my rebels. Today I ask a question, can we trust the police? And it's not even a question about lockdown police. It's about politicized police. We see it in the States. I'll tell you about an FBI plot to kidnap a Democratic governor and blame right-wingers for it. Sounds crazy. Do we have that in Canada too? I'll take you through some of the facts I know. Before I do, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's eight bucks a month. Go to rebelnews.com, click subscribe. You get the video version of this show. Plus, you get access to other shows, including from Sheila, David, and Andrew. It's, it's a great bundle. It's half the price of Netflix, and I think much more informative. And frankly, you can't get it anywhere else. So please go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. And thanks for your support. Here's today's podcast. Tonight, can you trust the police? It's July 21st, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon oh, consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I said it the other day, I always want to think of police as the heroes that I always thought they were. The dozens of police, along with hundreds of firefighters who ran towards danger on 9-11, for example, running into a burning building that later collapsed on them, killing them and thousands of others. I want to think of police as selfless heroes who put themselves in danger every day to keep the rest of us safe, the ones who have to deal with the bad people. They're the sheepdogs who protect the innocent and guard the sheep against the wolves. That's how I thought of police for the longest time, most of my life. And I always felt a sense of solidarity, frankly, whenever I would even just see a cop. I'd always just sort of say hi or nod my head or give them a thumbs up just to let them know that I know that they're serving us even if they face ingratitude elsewhere. And even as a journalist, how many times have I done stories of police who were wrongly smeared by guilty people who made up lies about how the police acted, who lied about police being, for example, violent or racist, and those accusations would go around the world, and only later would the body cam or dash cam footage come out showing the truth that the cops were actually exemplary. It was a big lie by the suspects. Done a lot of videos of those. In a way, that's been a subtext of the whole Black Lives Matter narrative, that all cops are evil, all cops are racist, all cops are violent, even the black cops, and that one cop who gets it wrong is an indictment of every cop. Antifa makes that one of their slogans, you know. You might see the graffiti ACAB. That stands for the smear, all cops are bastards. That's not true, but that's the denormalization of police by the left, followed by the submissiveness. That's the denormal of the police from within. I hate seeing police in uniform bow to anyone, because it's not them as individuals who's bowing, but them as representatives of the entire police force, of all authority, bending down towards those who actually use or threaten violence. You know, Canadians only bow to the Queen, really, and Americans ought to bow to no one. They're not a kingdom. But how many cops bow to Antifa? Too many. They're under attack from within and from without. That was me for decades, for decades. 
But I have difficulty now because police have allowed themselves to become errand boys for lockdownism, mask rules, social distancing rules, all of them stupid, all of them unscientific, all of them subjective, none of them followed by the people in power who issue those rules. Here are cops in Alberta taking down a Christian pastor in the middle of a street, in the middle of a highway like he's a terrorist. Get on your knees, hands above your head, in the middle of a busy road. <laughs> Here's the same politicians who ordered that hit on him, breaking their own rules at the Sky Palace, Secret Lounge in Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal, everywhere, anywhere. It's all stupider than the next. Here's some violence against our reporters merely for covering lockdown protests. Oh, no. So yeah, I wish our police did more policing and less abusing of civil liberties. When Los Angeles made a bizarre announcement that they're going to start re-implementing mask rules, even for vaccinated people, just weird rules all around, made up, pure political muscle flexing, no science. The L.A. sheriff put out a statement saying, yeah, no, not going to enforce that. I've seen that from some different U U.S. Uh, police chiefs. They don't jump up and take orders just from any old politician who has a fever dream or issues some tweet. They don't just do that. That's not why they went to the police academy in Canada. Most police just say, sure. In fact, I've never seen one not. Now, I'm not here to talk about more lockdown bullying by police. We've already covered that. Uh, I'm worried it's making a comeback in both the UK and Australia. Did you see this? Good evening. Within hours, Sydney will be in the grip of much tougher restrictions. The Premier clamping down on the stubborn Delta outbreak with what she's calling a no regrets policy. And this is why. From a record 82,000 tests, the state today recorded 111 cases and tragically the third COVID death in this outbreak, a man aged in his 80s from the city's southeast. Across Greater Sydney, retail shops will now close. A small list of essential stores can remain open. Construction sites across the city shut down. And from midnight tonight, 110 suburbs across Liverpool, Fairfield and Canterbury-Bankstown will be sealed shut. That's 900,000 residents who can't leave their area, even for work. Yeah, get ready for extreme police enforcement of that insanity. Three people have died on the entire Australian continent this year, and they're locking it down. That's not going to go well. Here's Boris Johnson announcing mandatory vaccinations just for living life. I should serve notice now that by the end of September, when all over 18s will have had their chance to be double jabbed, we're planning to make full vaccination the condition of entry to nightclubs and other venues where large crowds gather. Proof of a negative test will no longer be enough. Yeah, how are you going to enforce that, mate? How many police are you willing to deploy for that? How many skulls are you going to crack for that? We'll talk with Calvin Robinson today about that. France said they're vaccine passporting the whole place. Look at the protests. Greece, too. The police on the continent are used to being bullies. There's a bit of a fascist and communist history to both of those countries. You're going to see some violence. Who went to the police academy to do that violence over politics? Don't answer. Maybe some did. But I don't want to talk about lockdown policing right now. Talked about that 50 times this past year. 
I want to talk about something scarier. Police getting into the political business, the censorship business, the political errands business, the shutting up the opposition business. I've told you about Bill C-36, Trudeau's extreme censorship bill introduced in the dying hours of Parliament. The one that revised the hate speech provision of the Human Rights Act, but also adds darker elements that weren't there before, like the right to make secret complaints to the Human Rights Commission, to have a chance to be a secret witness against someone for a hate speech complaint. Secret trials, that's not a Canadian thing. It will be under C-36. $50,000 fines for a mean tweet. $20,000 bounties paid to the hate crime complainants, even if they're secret. And the ability to go to court to get an anti-hate bond against someone who hasn't committed any crime yet, hasn't been charged yet, hasn't done anything yet, haven't been arrested yet, but you can now, under C-36, convince a court to give you a sort of peace bond against them, getting them under house arrest, limiting their freedoms, forcing them to wear an electronic tracker, forcing them to give bodily fluid samples, just because you're afraid of them. I'm serious. Read the law at StopC36.com if you want to see the bill for yourself. So I'm worried about that. Lockdowns are one thing, but imagine police hunting you down for hurt feelings crimes. Well, some police are imagining that themselves, and they're getting pretty excited about it. Here's a story in Black Locks. Censorship bill useful, RCMP. A federal censorship bill will be useful in prosecuting bloggers and Facebook subscribers. An RCMP specialist said last night, Bill C-36 will see more things through to charges, a webinar was told. It's a story from Blacklocks. It's about a webinar put on by a liberal-funded attack, attack group called the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, very ironically named. They themselves are quite hateful. They put on a conference about how to use laws like this to attack conservatives online. And a Mountie actually participated. I didn't know cops were allowed to be political. That's really weird. Actually, I have come to know that, haven't we all? Here's what that cop said. Law enforcement has to have the ability to use the law effectively, really. So you're a politician now. You want to write the laws. In Canada, we don't have anything regulating speech. Really? We don't? Under Section 2 of our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, our, our freedom of expression is protected. So there is no such thing as free speech in Canada, only freedom of expression? What? You have an RCMP cop who says we don't have freedom of speech in Canada? Are, are you nuts? Has this cop ever even looked at the Charter? Section 2B, freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication. That obviously includes speech and every other way of expressing ideas. What a weird liar that cop is, a liar or, or stupid or evil or just ill-informed. I don't know, but he's the boss. He's the hate cop who's excited about using this law to get bloggers because he thinks we don't have freedom of speech in Canada. Because that's the crime wave we have. Really, is that the big problem in Canada right now? We have 48 churches burnt or vandalized. But this Mountie's excited about locking up people for Facebook posts? By the way, if you go to the Supreme Court of Canada website, which I encourage this cop to do, and search their rulings, which you can do online, the phrase free speech is there in 60 different Supreme Court rulings. 60 times the Supreme Court used the phrase free speech. And another 67 times the phrase freedom of speech. So 127 times the Supreme Court itself. What a bizarre cop that Trudeau Mountie is, isn't he? Saying there's no free speech in Canada. Yeah, tell that to the Supreme Court, you wicked liar. 
Are you ready for a politically weaponized RCMP? That's where we're going. Trudeau's hand-picked commissioner, Brenda Lucky, refuses to say a word about the burnt churches because Trudeau doesn't want her to. Then again, she refused to look into the facts of Trudeau himself interfering in the SNC-Lavalin corruption case and the firing of Jody Wilson-Raybould by Trudeau because she was getting in his way. Because again, Brenda Lucky is Trudeau's girl and she's loyal to her man. But look at this news out of Michigan. Here's a story from October. Remember that story a few months back? But how right-wingers were planning to capture and kidnap the governor of Michigan, who just happened to be Democrat. Huge story. Dropped right before the election. Boy, did the media love that story. Right-wingers, Trump guys, planning to kidnap an outspoken critic of Trump. Oh, and the timing. Less than a month before the election. Message received. But look now. It's almost a year later, so the truth comes out now, and that bell can't be unrung. The election happened. That plot to kidnap the Democratic governor, it was almost completely FBI undercover agents and informants. Don't take that from me. I'm a conservative in Canada. What do I know? Take it from a liberal American news site called BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed hates Trump, but they actually told the truth here. It's a long story, but let me read to you the part about the role of the 12 undercover cops who were in on the project. Let me read the money quote. An examination of the case by BuzzFeed News also reveals that some of those informants acting under the direction of the FBI played a far larger role than has previously been reported, working in secret. They did more than just passively observe and report on the actions of the suspects. Instead, they had a hand in nearly every aspect of the alleged plot, starting with its inception. The extent of their involvement raises questions as to whether there would have even been a conspiracy without them. A longtime government informant from Wisconsin, for example, helped organize a series of meetings around the country where many of the alleged plotters first met one another and the earliest notions of a plan took root. Some of those people say the Wisconsin informant even paid for some hotel rooms and food as an incentive to get people to come. The Iraq war vet, for his part, became so deeply enmeshed in a Michigan militant group that he rose to become its second in command, encouraging members to collaborate with other potential suspects and paying for their transportation to meetings. He prodded the alleged mastermind of the kidnapping plot to advance his plan, he then baited the trap that led to his arrest. Oh, so, so they came up with the idea, they funded it, they arranged it, they organized it, they pushed forward, they, they, they went around the country, they were the number two guy in the spot. The FBI did that. Why, is there, is there not enough real crime in America that needs to be fought? Imagine the effort here, the millions of dollars, the thousands of hours, the number of staff, why? I put it to you, it was a political stunt to prove the threat of right-wingers, domestic violence extremists on the right. That's America these days. That's the disgraced FBI, the same people who set up General Michael Flynn, filed false, false affidavits against Donald Trump to spy on him, James Comey the liar. The FBI setting up crimes for a political payoff for their left-wing masters. Hey, do you doubt that's coming to Canada <laughs> or that it's already here? By the way, who's torching and vandalizing churches across Canada? 48 of them now. You'd think we would have caught someone by now. Weird how quiet the RCMP is now. I'm sure Brenda Lucky, Trudeau's commissioner, is upholding the law. I'm, I'm sure we're fine. I'm sure we're in the best of hands. Stay with us for more.
Welcome back. Well, of course, uh, the lockdown in Canada is still in effect. For example, at the border, you can't come into Canada from the United States without hiding in your home for two full weeks. Of course, Toronto finally, after more than a year, released its restaurants for the first time. Toronto, the most locked down city in the world, according to the BBC, and they love that. But let me tell you, as someone who lives it, it's not a nice thing. I see Australia is lurching back into lockdowns over the most trivial uh, caseload. I think a grand total of three people have passed away on that entire continent in 2021, and yet millions are having their lives restricted. But how about the United Kingdom? They're one of the most vaxxed countries in the world, at least most vaxxed large countries. They were under a lockdown led by Boris Johnson, nominally a conservative. They talked about Freedom Day, where they would be released from it. Did it actually happen? Well, one of our favorite people in the UK is Calvin Robinson. He's a commentator in many places, but my new favorite place to catch him is on the new channel, GB News. And Calvin joins us now via Skype. Calvin, great to see you again. Welcome back to the show. I love coming on this show, so thank you for the invitation. Well, the feeling's mutual, and I love seeing you on GB News. What a great uh, new project. I wish you good luck with that. I see that Nigel Farage has a new four times a week show there. He's a controversial and thoughtful character. I think you guys are, are doing great things. I sort of wish we had that here. But, but let me ask you about Freedom Day. That was the name given to the day where most of the lockdown was going to be lifted. Freedom Day was actually delayed a month, uh, wasn't it? It was, first of all, it was delayed a month um, after saying that it would not be changed. And then when they delayed it, they said, you know what, we're sticking to data, not dates. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to check the data. And when they talk about data, they're obviously talking about case numbers, hospitalizations, deaths. But they were, the hospitalizations and the deaths were going down. In fact, we've got record low deaths in this country at the moment. Mm -hmm. But that continued to be a downward curve, and the date was not changed. It wasn't brought forward. So they pushed it back a month. And we came to Freedom Day, which was last week, uh, the 19th of July. And on Freedom Day, we think, okay, fantastic. We get our civil liberties back. We can live our normal lives again. We can start to live with this virus instead, instead of it dictating our lives, instead of the government micromanaging every aspect of our lives. And what happens that very evening on Freedom Day, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom gets onto his platform and says that, uh, from September, we're going to introduce vaccine passports. Hmm. So he, he essentially said that anyone over the age of 18 has now had the opportunity to be vaccinated. And if you haven't chosen to take that vaccination, you will have certain aspects of your life limited. It's going to start with large venues and nightclubs, but I suspect it won't end there, will it? This has been the plan all along to introduce these vaccine passports, which they've denied at every step of the way. The health ministers denied it. The, uh, a number of ministers have denied it, as well as the prime minister. They've all said there is no plan for vaccine passports. And here we see they are introducing it. But no less than that, they introduced it on Freedom yeah. Day, which yeah. I think is wicked. You know, it's, it's showing people that, that carriage and snatching it away and giving them the stick instead. It's it's like torture. Every chance of hope you get is taken away from you at the very last minute. You know, every time we think we're free again, the government's there to remind us, no, you're not free. We have your liberties and we're not giving them back to you. It, there's going to come a point where the British people have to stand up and take our liberties back because the government aren't giving them back by choice. I ask the same about Canada and, frankly, Australia all the time. I, I want to show you a quick video montage of 
the Prime Minister and other British cabinet ministers swearing on a stack of Bibles that they would never bring in a vaccine passport. And the reason I show you this, I mean, it won't surprise you that politicians break their promises, but when it comes to things about the lockdown, the pandemic, vaccines, the virus, trust is such a precious commodity. And to yeah. break promises and to be a brazen liar isn't just a normal political uh, collateral damage. How can you trust someone who lies about Freedom Day and lies about data? How can you trust them to tell the truth about things that people are really worried about? Like, are there side effects to the vaccines? Should we vaccine people under 18? Like, and, and those are real questions that people honestly want to know the answer to. But if the political class so brazenly fibs, how can you trust them? Here's a montage of British politicians saying there will never be vaccine passports. So there won't be a vaccine passport? No, that's not being planned. The Prime Minister of Greece has said that he would welcome people to come on holiday in Greece, but they will have to have some kind of vaccine passport to show they've been vaccinated first. Is that something that the British government is looking at? The idea of a vaccine passport specifically to allow people to come and go in, in the months ahead? No, we're not. I don't, what I don't think we will have in this country is, as it were, uh, vaccination uh, passports. So there you go. I mean, it's no surprise that politicians are, are liars. Um, one of the things that puzzles me, Calvin, in Canada, and I think it applies to the UK also, is why the opposition party doesn't really oppose. In Canada, federally and in all 10 provinces, both the governments and the opposition support the lockdown. It's not that way in America. You have a real political split. It seems to me like in the UK, the Labour Party led by Keir Starmer, who used to be a civil rights lawyer, he really doesn't have a fundamental disagreement with the lockdown, does he? No, it really troubles me. I don't understand his stance. So all throughout the lockdown, he's been pushing for harder and longer lockdowns, tougher restrictions. So he's not been in opposition to the government. And that's what we need in a time like this. We need questions to be asked about whether this is a suitable restriction, whether it actually has an impact or whether it's just authoritarian measures. We need an opposition that holds the government to account. He hasn't been that. I was quite, uh, I was quite opt optimistic today when I saw that the Labour Party were going to oppose the government on this, and it seems they're already making a U-turn. But even when they were going to oppose these vaccine passports, their stance was, um, they said, a Labour spokesman said, making people show proof of COVID jabs for everyday access to venues was costly, open to fraud, and impractical. So even when they oppose it, they can't oppose it for the sake of freedom or civil liberties. It's got to be, oh, it's not cost effective, or it's not practical. Come on, yeah. where is their sense of principle? Yeah. It's disgusting. And I think they've flip-flopped back and forth so many times at this point. No one's going to trust the opposition. No one trusts the government. We need a party or we need a, to, a re, to refresh our system. We need someone to stand up for the British people, not just the British people, you're right, America and Canada too, to stand up for people's civil liberties. But what is going on when all of these parties, all of these governments are all singing from the same hymn sheet. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there's something deeper at play here. If they're all say, pushing the same party line, what is the agenda? Has it been COVID passports all along? Has it been digital IDs all along? Is it a form of control? Is it this new world order, so to speak, of the great reset to hashtag build back better? Is it the Davos uh, World Economic Forum? Is it that 
you will own nothing, but you will be happy? I don't know, but it's raising a lot of questions, and all this comes from mistrust. If the government could be transparent and open with us, and it could share the data and act on the data, and it could be actual you know, human beings with passion and compassion and protecting our freedoms, which is the government's first and most fundamental job. If they did all of those things, they'd have more people on board, but they don't. And I'm, I'm at a loss. I really am at a loss of what to do, what to believe, and who to trust. Yeah. You know, in the United States, I often refer to the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, because he was most clearly a, a skeptic fairly early about lockdownism. And he got a lot of flack from the opposition, of course, but also the media and the public health establishment. And for a while there, it looked like he might be wobbled, but it's, it's really paid off and he's got bolder and bolder. And my point is he actually showed leadership. He stepped in when it wasn't a sure thing it would be successful. Now he's one of the most popular governors in America, one of the most successful economically, the health stats. And so I, I often say that if you just tried, if you just had someone try, build it and they will come. I, I know Lawrence Fox has started the Reclaim Party, uh, Reclaim Your Freedoms, rec Reclaim How Things Were in the UK. He ran for mayor and he, he, he didn't break into the double digits, but, uh, but at least he sort of held up a lightning rod uh, Nigel Farage is with you at GB News. Do you think there is a political alternative in the UK that would be freedom oriented? I, I know that, uh, you know, Jeremy Corbyn's brother, Pierce Corbyn, is a lockdown skeptic. So there are people across the political spectrum who don't yeah. like this civil liberties violation. Uh, your friend Lawrence Fox is trying it. Nigel's tied up. Is there is there any hope that the freedom movement will coalesce around someone who's got a real chance like Ron DeSantis did in Florida. Perhaps. I mean, Lawrence Fox's Reclaim Party are doing great things fighting for freedom. They just launched a report, actually. People should look into this report. It's fantastic, saying that we need uh, a bill of law in this country to protect our freedom of speech like America has with their amendments. We don't have anything like that over here. But there's also the Reform Party, which Richard Tice is running now, which was um, Nigel Farage's Brexit party uh, prior to that. And the two are working very closely together, which is great to see. So th there is some cooperation there, but they're not mainstream parties. So they can have an impact. They can you know, nudge the government in the right direction, but they can't really take government. And that's the problem with our two-party system. You either vote for the Labour Party or the Conservative Party. You can vote for the fringe parties, but they're never going to be in power. There's more a protest or a challenge. And that's the issue. We need to Break down this two-party system somehow if it's not working. It's, it's like it's like the issue with you know the issue with China. When this pandemic first launched, people were saying, "Is this you know a lab experiment or was it a lab accident?" And those questions were not allowed for so long. And now it's come to pass that actually it probably was a, a lab leak from Wuhan. And now we're able to you know Donald Trump was one of the first to raise this when he said you know this is the China virus and people were like oh that's racist you can't. But now we're getting to the point over a year later, nearly eighteen months later, that we can actually have the conversation. So we need our politicians to be more open about this. And if the mainstream ones won't do it, the fringe ones will have to, and they'll have to get a platform. And you're quite right that, you know, Nigel Farage is on GB News now, so he has a much better platform for this kind of thing. So hopefully he'll challenge it some more. I will continue to raise it whenever I get the chance, but it would be great to see someone in the mainstream do so too. Yeah. Well, listen, we sure are watching with great interest because although we're across an ocean from you, I think a lot of things that happen in the UK today come to Canada tomorrow, especially with lockdownism. I'm terrified that vaccine passports will make their way here too. Calvin, it's great to see you. Congratulations again. I love watching you on GB News and I encourage all my Canadian friends to download the app. It's a free app, so why not do it? 
And uh, listen, keep up the great work. Thanks for visiting us. And I wish all the best for the UK. Hopefully Freedom Day will actually be the beginning of a liberation and not the not yet another false hope dangled in front of the people. Take care, my friend, and thanks for being Thank you, here. Ezra. God bless. All right on you too. There you have it, Calvin Robinson, a commentator, and, and I see him quite often on GB News. Stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back. Uh, Alexandra writes, so when are the anti-Christian hate laws coming and the anti-Semitic hate laws and the anti-Buddhist hate laws, etc.? Well, look, there are lots of anti-hate laws on the books already. Uh, the question is, who's going to action them against whom? Uh, as far as I know, in the 40-year, 50-year history of these hate crimes laws, in one version or another, not a single radical Islamic extremist or terrorist has ever been charged. Um, no extremists from some of the Tamil Tigers groups or some of the more militant Sikh groups. Just never. I think anyone could be guilty of a hate crime. It's defined so vaguely. So it's just whoever the politicians want to charge. Jeff writes, Islam isn't a race. It's an ideology and completely open to criticism. This is the problem with hate laws, period, as who gets to define what hate speech is? Well, I think any ism, any ideology, uh, religion, philosophy, creed ought to be criticizable. And in fact, I think people who want to do that more than most would be Muslims themselves. Um, I mean, think about cr criticism of Christianity. I think it most commonly comes from Christians who have questions about their own faith or criticisms. I think it's the Reformation, the you know, so many internal debates within Christianity. Are you banning that? That's what I'm worried about, that anti-Islamophobia won't just be about protecting ordinary Muslim people from discrimination. It'll be about stopping political discussion. Janine writes, we need more politicians like Derek Sloan. Yeah, I really like Derek Sloan. I have to be candid, I don't think he's gonna win. In the upcoming election, he only won his riding by, I think, four or five percent. And now it's going to be split even more ways. I like the fact that he's talking to people in other political entities about a slate, but that's not really a, a thing that's not going to be on a ballot. That's not a group that can issue tax receipts for political donations. I'm not quite sure what it means, but I look forward to seeing more from him. I like the guy and I hope he's a success. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.